Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLam. I'm joined today with Miss Sarah Beth McLam. How are you doing, Sarah Beth? I'm doing pretty good. I took one of my first finals today of senior year. So well, good. Well, good. When this airs, you have already completed your your college experience and are now a college graduate. So congratulations. And I'm, as a father, very proud of the fact that you have done so well in school, which is a great segue to our interview today, which is with who? It's with Dr. Travis Park at NC State. Dr. Park is the head of undergraduate programs for the College of Agriculture and Humanities Science. Uh, did I say that correctly? Life Sciences. Life Sciences at uh, North Carolina State University. And Dr. Park was our guest today based on one particular area. We, we've had discussions with several people over the last several months that they have felt that youth are not prepared for college, that because of recent events, because of you know having to stay at home, not being able to have live school, online learning, that they are not prepared for the college experience. Maybe there's just differing factors that are going into it. And so we wanted to talk with someone who's live on the ground that is working with students and get their perspective on it. And he gave us a lot to think about. What is one of the takeaways that you had from our time together with him? Well, um, I thought it was really interesting how he talked about in the interview, he gives a lot of tips and ways that um, students can be successful. Parents of those students can be successful. But I really liked some points he made about willpower and brain power and how those work together to make students successful. Um, and also how if one of them is lacking, how it can make students unsuccessful and what they can do in order to make them work together. So I thought that was really cool. Listen, Dr. Park gives us some very practical information today that comes from his experience as a professor and also as a parent and a student. He even talks about his time as a student. I think that our audience is going to find great value in this. And so we're really encouraging you to share this with other folks. Maybe share it with your, your youth's teachers as well so that they can see it and maybe share it with parents as well. I think it's that powerful of an episode. So let's get to our interview with, with Dr. Travis Park. Travis Park. Dr. Park, welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you uh, for joining us today. We're happy to be here. Thank you for inviting us on the show. Should be fun. Now, I know I, I've known you for quite a while, and my daughter obviously has known you for quite a while, but our audience... Uh, some of the audiences from across the nation, maybe even across the world. Tell them a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself. I'm Travis Park, a professor at North Carolina State University. Uh, my focus is agricultural education. And for our department, I'm our director of undergraduate programs. And in our department in the College of Ag and Life Sciences here at NC State, we have two majors, agricultural sciences and ag education. So we see about 200 undergraduates at any time uh, in our department. So a pretty good cross-section of students in the College of Ag. Uh, I originally grew up in Indiana, was a 4-H and FFA member and active in high school organizations, and then 
uh, finished my bachelor's degree at Purdue University in agricultural education, taught high school agriculture in Indiana for five and a half years, and then have been in a university in one form or another for the last 20 years, 20 years this week, actually. Wow. Does it yeah. seem that long for you? Or is that number no, all of a sudden just kind no, of saying, it, hey, it, I didn't realize I was here that long? As you might know, life seems to just go faster and faster all the time. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. One of the reasons why I was so excited to connect with you is a recent conversation that I've had that there is kind of a, an opinion, maybe even some folks' assessment, that incoming students to colleges, incoming students to universities are just not as prepared as they were or are just not ready for it. And it may have a lot to do with the way they've had to do online learning for the last couple of years um, or stuff like that. But what is your thoughts on that about students not being as prepared as they need to be for universities? James, I think that's a really interesting question. And uh, so I've not conducted official research on that topic, but anecdotally, I do see and again interact with a couple hundred students um, weekly at least you know uh, here at NC State and this year I taught our uh, intro course in our majors and um, I'd say there's there's the recent situations uh, around the the world and in our country uh, especially with education being online in in a lot of cases has uh, kind of sorted students out we've got some students who figured out how to manage their time and work effectively and organize their studies and then another group of students that because we've lost that one-on-one -on -one daily contact in mm -hmm. some cases uh, they just flounder and struggle and um, over the last two years probably we'll see in our two majors uh, a doubling of students withdrawing from the university and oh wow really yeah yeah we uh, just in at first, I thought we'd be okay, but uh, there's been a sort of a delayed effect that first year or two that we were on, or semester or two that we were online, didn't see much of an impact, but we're seeing the impact now. Not just the students withdrawing, um, students who are also struggling, and you, you could look at their GPAs and not anticipate, you know, that they're going to struggle, but wow, they really are, and it's not a struggle that they can't comprehend the content of courses what i see more is students who can't again organize their calendar organize themselves uh, get motivated to finish assignments and turn them in and um, you know once you start on that trajectory of not completing your task and and not maintaining uh, progress then it gets harder and harder the gap between on target and off target grows every day and so then the students just find themselves in real challenging situations so why so, do you think why do you think that's happening? Why do you think that there's a lack of preparedness for college, uh, the increase in withdrawing, the increase in struggling? Uh, this type of stuff concerns me as someone who spends all their time working with you. Uh, anecdotally, I think back to my time going to college. Mm -hmm. I don't think I look back and don't think I was prepared for it. But at the same time, I never ever considered it a struggle withdrawal. I always kind of looked at it as being and I need to get my mind right and go for it. Um, you know, I, I just never considered it as, as being something I couldn't handle. It's interesting. And again, this is anecdotal and observational with our students here and my own children at home. Um, but I think 
you know, if you ask university faculty who work with stu advise students and then as an outshoot of that work with their parents, you see more and more of these helicopter and bulldozer parents. And uh, you see a lot of kids who were coached to get high grades and high test scores at the expense of what I see as extracurriculars and, and sports and community organizations and band and the arts. You know, they're not doing those activities in school because they've got to be competitive with their test scores and their GPA to get into college. And so they can get the right answer. They can't ask the right questions. And I think when it comes to complex tasks, a lot of our students really struggle because they haven't had those real world type experiences outside of the core academics. Hmm. Those are my hmm. observations. <laughs> I, I heard uh, Sarah Beth go, hmm. why did you say hmm? Well, I started thinking about it. So I was held to the expectation and dad, you know this, where you get high grades and you do the sports, you do the extracurriculars too. And you, you got to keep them both up there. And when you said like, they don't know how to ask real world questions and they don't know, like they can get the answer, but they don't know how to approach it necessarily. I was starting to think about like how my extracurriculars back in high school, middle school, and even now, like how I guess it made me a better student. I didn't even realize it. So what do you think some of those key bridges are that like take you from extracurriculars to like performing well in the classroom or vice versa in terms of like, how are they related to the point where if they're so focused on school, they aren't going to do well in like, you know, in school. And if they're so focused on extracurriculars, they aren't going to do well in school. <laughs> Certainly there's a tension and a balance and ecosystem there, a give and take between academics and those extracurriculars or um, electives in your school that give meaning right to the math and science and English. Math, science and English are fun for math scientists and English majors, but the rest of us, we just need, we, those are tools to solve problems in the world. So we need those electives, those extracurriculars to give us problems to apply math, science, English, you know, civics. Oh, wow. Let's so, all right, repeat that again, because I don't want our audience to run by that. That was powerful. And, and I don't no, want I the mean, audience to lose that. <laughs> those core academics are just, I think, our tools to help us solve problems and seek opportunities in, in the world. And, and so outside of math, science, we need math, science, and English. They're tools and, and, and ways about, of thinking and logic that we apply to band or agriculture classes and FFA or the soccer field or the volleyball court, you know, uh, just working with other people. You know, that's why we have languages to get along with other people and uh, uh, convey culture and, and build knowledge. Mm. You know, it's not just for its own sake, really. Um, so I don't know, Sarah Beth, it's a, it's a tension I see with my own kids. And, and I think we need those tensions to figure out how to be resilient people in life that there's nights that we've got two or three activities going after school and, and my daughters have homework. And so they've got to plan ahead, live in the next couple of days or in the next week, not just live in the present moment, but live ahead and think and plan and organize their work so that they can do both school and do well in school and, and do some of those extracurricular activities as well that give meaning to our studies. And it's not always easy. There's times they drop the ball and don't turn in an assignment. I think we all do that in life. 
Right. I, mean, I have. I don't want to speak for you two. I mean, you two are excellent, but you know, a lot no, of <laughs> no, I've, I've hidden my transcript from my children for years. I just like to show them my graduate transcripts because those are nice. <laughs> I don't show them my yeah. undergrad transcripts. Well, and it's too. I see. I ask our freshmen, and I saw um, about sixty of them this year in our intro classes, and we we taught it just one class. And next year we're going to teach more. Um, about time management. And yeah. I asked them, I said, how many of y'all TikTok? Sarah Beth, how many of you reckon watch TikTok? Yeah, I watch TikTok. <laughs> Every one of them watched TikTok. There wasn't hardly a one that didn't watch TikTok. And I'm like, how many, how much time do you spend a day on TikTok? The consensus was at least two hours a day watching TikTok. Ooh. And I know you can learn some things from TikTok, but see, that's the thing I think. I just told him, I said, those hours that you're spending on TikTok, those are not building any kind of skills that are transferable to your career. Those are not any kind of ways of thinking and learning that you're going to transfer into your classroom. So those hours are just waste hours. You know, you're so I think kids today feel that they're going to fill their time. And it is. James, not to give too much away, we didn't have TikTok. Yeah. Back in the day. I mean, we wasted time, I guess, watching television and it was somewhat similar, but, but I don't know that we ever, I ever set two hours in front of a television day in and day out. It's just so easy to pick up, you know, this device. Right. And just absolutely, I think, waste time. And I think our kids, our, our students do that. It's not just a, a reprieve for 10 or 15 minutes to play a word game or something like that. It's getting lost and, and pretty soon two hours are gone. And that's two hours that they could have been participating in extracurriculars here on campus. They could have had a job working in a professor's lab. And again, all that goes back to building your resume, but it ain't, it's not just building your resume. It's building those real world experiences to take advantage of opportunities, solve problems, move your, and then the people in your life ahead in the world. A little bit. And not just ahead, you know, not ahead of others. It's not a competition, but you know, you come to college to learn something and, and fundamentally graduate different than what you entered. And, Ooh. My fear is that some students they're they're pretty much the same person the day of orientation and the day of graduation, and that's Ooh. that's unfortunate. That's yeah. another profound. You dropping some, you dropping some hashtag <laughs> stuff today. All right, what's the advantage of things she got involved here on campus and and worked in extracurriculars and excelled in her internship and all you know, and now well, she's set ready. People are calling her offering jobs. <laughs> Well, what I mean, but you're right about the phone thing. Like, yeah, I did all that too. But when you said the phone thing, I was like, I watched TikTok. Like I was on it before this. I'm going to be on it after. And like, I'm watching videos about teaching, but they're, they're like first grade classrooms and I'm not going to teach first grade. And I mean, I was in the gym the other day and I saw some people come in and I'm assuming they were younger students. Cause you know, younger students, they go in there to keep their high school high school physique, older students go in there because they ate too much freshman year, you know, so they, they were in there and they were on their phones the entire time they were in there. And I was like, what was the point? Of, like, you could have done this in your dorm. But like, I see it in class. Like, I see it walking to class, like all that. That's crazy. And I mean, I do it, too. And I I feel like I'm pretty busy, you know, <laughs> I do, too. I have my word games that I play for 10 or 15 minutes you know, laying in bed at night before I'm going to sleep. And I, I rationalize it and think, well, at least it's cognitive <laughs> stimulating. But, you know, I, something like 
that is a lot more cognitively stimulating. And you know what? I was in the doctor's office the other day to get checked out with a cold. And he, I was reading this and he saw it. And he goes, man, that's a fantastic book. He said, you know, and then it led into this whole conversation of meaningful interaction. I see the doc mm. once or twice a year. That's it. But, but that was an interesting interaction. We talked about some of the big ideas in the book. Yeah, I don't think you get that from TikTok. I agree. I may be wrong. One of the things that I that I've thought of, I hadn't planned on asking, but I want to dive into a little bit is what do we think is going to be the long range implication of students not being prepared when they reach universities and then withdrawing or struggling? What are what are some of those long range problems? Not only their academic career, but maybe even beyond. That's a great question, and I. I'm hopeful that uh, those students who withdraw from the university, that they go home to a community college or find a great job. And, and this is a wake up call for them and they have to kind of pull things together. Um, Are we delaying yeah. you know, our, our workforce preparation? I, I think we are. I mean, hmm. everybody, all my friends in industry say, you know, we want someone who shows up, who's productive, who's an asset to the organization. Um, you're going to start at an entry level, but show up, be prepared, be an asset to the organization. You're going to move up. And that's not a, that's really not a difficult set of skills to put together, show up clean and ready to go and be prepared. Mm. Uh, but some of our students, you know, they can't do that. They're, we probably have seen recently more, uh, lack of attendance in classes. Um, really? Yeah. And, and again, it's just, again, we've got a handful, I don't really have one or two students that just cannot um, submit assignments and, and they, they, they have the capacity, but the initiative and, and want to is just not there. And so it's usually one or two through the last couple of years, it's, it's blossomed to six to eight probably. Do you think it, going back to when you mentioned about helicopter and the bulldozer, lawnmower, snowplow parents, I've heard all of those analogies applied to them. Do you think that is, is one of the main drivers in that, I, I, when you were talking about not submitting assignments, I remember in high school not submitting an assignment in a civics class or not getting it there on time and trying to sneak it into the pile like a day or two late. And the, prof the professor, the teacher realized and saying, oh, how did this get here? And I'm like, I don't know. It must have fallen. Or, you know, it was like, no. Nah, and he just tossed it in the trash can. And I realized really quickly, this was my job. My mom and dad never, <laughs> never was overlooking things and making me respond, you know, not reminding me daily, do you have your assignments? Are you doing this or are you doing that? But so I learned to do it on my own. Do you think that's an issue, a problem we're having? Yes, I think it is. You know, today's high school students, at least where our kids go to school, I get text messages nearly daily from each of their teachers. So they have four classes a day. So that's, and, and the teachers tell us what's going on in class and, and give us a little feedback, uh, maybe individually on the student. Uh, we can jump into their Google Classroom and see what assignments they've submitted. We can look at PowerSchool and see their grades at all times. So that right there is just a lot of intrusion information we have as parents. That's nice. Uh, but then I think, you know, parents probably, I'm not an excellent parent. We try and we struggle <laughs> like everybody else. But you know what? 
our conduit of um, our point of impact is our children. And so we need our stance is we need to reinforce good work ethic and and interpersonal skills, leadership skills with our kids so they can uh, deliver in the classroom. Our point of impact is not going to the teacher, going to the school. So and I think that's the difference when we see here. Gosh, we're, we're just told, well, federal, the FERPA laws, federal uh, family educational rights to privacy act uh, says that once you enter the college we can only talk to the student about their academics we can't talk to parents unless the student gives the parent permission to see like academic records and all that and Do you ever have really, parents inquire about it with your department oh, all the time. yeah when, when a mom or dad calls us this this problem probably is not going to be solved i mean you know because it's yeah this, this child, this parent has bailed out their child so many times that when they call us at the university, it never turns out well, you know, and there's some situations where we do reach out to parents because the kid is struggling and, you know, it's a, a question really of self-care with that student, making sure they're all right. So that's a different thing, but, you know, we'll, in the, in the Zoom world, uh, we'll advise via Zoom and you can see a kid looking over the side and then coming back and then asking a question and looking to the <laughs> side because there's mom or dad there just off screen asking them questions that doesn't teach that student to be responsible they should have known that by that time. i think they should know that so, i always feel like we need another another podcast episode where we talk about the value of those um, work ethic things that that i know you and i experience growing up that I would freely admit my children didn't have the opportunity because of where we live. And I'm talking about that rural aspect of working. I mean, you and I had to learn responsibility very early on. Uh, but that's a, that's another, that's another that's topic enough. altogether. All right. We talked about these helicopter parents, the, those parents yeah. and stuff. So this next question is how do we, what tips would you give to these parents to help prepare? I feel like, okay, we just said that the problem is, uh, could be, you know, overactive parenting. And now I'm yeah. asking for tips to help be an overactive parent. <laughs> yeah, I think parents didn't realize it's, they too like their kids as much as we can need to have a, a long-term perspective on the development of that child. And so that may mean that we let them fail this week or today on this lesson so they can learn a life lesson and not fail next time or not fail as regularly. So there's some of that. And, you know, the grades and the test scores coming into college, they matter. They do because that's what we look at. But equally important are the essay a student writes to gain admissions to college. And that essay, again, shouldn't be written by the parent. Our readers can pretty well figure that out. Um, but it'll be written by the student and it should have some meaning to it. And the meaning is created by those activities outside of the classroom that that student engages in. And, and we want good students, we want students who show up to class, who do their work, who turn it in. But we want students who are going to make an impact on our state and our world in a positive way. And uh, so we need problem solvers and opportunity seekers and kids that will ask students who ask good questions and challenge some of the processes and then investigate those problems and find solutions based on 
know, either an express value system and, and, you know, that can be in my mind, faith, love, or information, but figure out which one you're going to base your decisions on. And in, in our world in agriculture, that ends, should be, I think, information and science. And we want students to be able to recognize uh, that science and employ it in their careers and their personal lives as well. That may have been one of the most powerful pieces of advice is letting them have that long-term perspective. Let them fail so they, in essence, what you're saying is let them fail now so they can learn to succeed in the future. Um, mm -hmm. That's... It's that hard. is something that I think a parent will buy, will uh, nod their head in agreement to, but there's a difference between nodding your head in agreement to and buying into. That's a hard yeah. thing to buy into. Because um, I think as a parent, and, and I've been guilty of this too, we tend to wrap somewhat of our self-identity around the success of our children, which I do not think my parents' self-identity was ever concerned with my success or failure growing up. Um, my Jane, personal that, parents. Yeah. My folks probably identified, we had a family identity and that was conveyed. Yes. Yes. The family reputation was more yeah. important than my individual success. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Mm -hmm. So it's, but yeah, it's, um, it's, and we've got great students. I, and that's the really refreshing piece of this, uh, you know, the situation we've been in for the last couple of years with some online learning and, and that online environment makes students, I think, be more accountable and take ownership of their learning more so than, you know, having the professor, the teachers, a shepherd there in class. And so it, it it's, I, I see it sorting our students a lot. And um, unfortunately, those that are falling behind a little bit, they've got a tougher road to hoe here and, and, and get back on board. But uh, but the students who figured it out, they're excelling the freedom of, uh, you know, asynchronous learning and setting their own schedule has worked well for them and they've balanced their time well. So the ones who figured it out have really kept right on trucking, I think. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but so this like brought me back to freshman year before, like everything went online and there was like so much option to do classes online and stuff, but you called me freshman year before I started my first class at NC state. And you basically, I mean, you kind of laid it out. You're like, here's some good things you need to do at state. And you gave me some pieces of advice and I wish I could remember them, but I mean, I don't, I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> no part of me remembers them, but I remember that conversation in like her solid week. I was like, why did he call me? And I was trying to figure it out, but I'm really glad you did. And so I might not remember the advice you gave me, but it's, it worked, you know, somewhere along the way it worked. So do you have any advice for those students who are coming into universities who maybe don't have you to call them and just give groundbreaking advice that, you know, they were uh, in four years, but. And so we'll encourage them to write the advice. advice down so we both <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's exactly <laughs> what I was saying. Well, I was going to like quote it or something. And then I was like, I have no idea what he told me. I don't. <laughs> I don't uh, Dr. Dr. Park, don't, don't feel bad. She doesn't remember any of the advice and the guidance I've given her either. So it's. Oh, now. But it works yeah. somewhere along the way. It, work, it, it works, but you know, we don't know it. So. No, I don't know. I, you know, there's I feel like as an advisor, you always try to trickle out little bits of advice that just seem, you know, having worked at a university now for two decades, you see things that work and, you know, um, it was probably something along the lines of, 
And keep in mind, you're going to learn about, you should be learning about as much outside the classroom as what you're learning inside the classroom. So you got to get involved on campus and you're paying as a college student, you're paying for a 24 seven experience. And I think it behooves you as a student to be on campus on the weekends and not run home. A lot of ours do. And sometimes you have jobs and you have to, I get that, but gosh, that, the networking with friends and the late night discussions are probably as valuable as some of the courses that you have because it's a magical time in your life where you're evaluating your values, you're evaluating your goals, your career objectives, and, and your friends around you influence those. Uh, so, and those conversations a lot of times happen spontaneously on weekends and late night runs to insomnia cookies and that kind of thing. Uh, but you got to get involved on campus, the clubs and Extracurricular activities, again, are different here than high school. So there's uh, less professor input in those clubs and activities, more really student-led organizations. And that prepares you for the next step as you go out into communities throughout our state or, and throughout the world. So um, yeah, those are the kind of things I try to instill in students is just be intentional. I Again, with these um, freshman classes this year, we, we talked about the history of land-grant institutions, especially our land-grant here at NC State. And we showed a picture of the first uh, class of students, and they were all white males from fairly wealthy families across our state. And we brought that picture back up later in the semester, and I had the students look at it. I said, what do you see here? And well, they saw that. I said, but what do you see? I said, I don't know any of those gentlemen. They're all gone now. But I said, my guess is that they came here to the university and one, it was a very new idea. So they were courageous to come here, but they came here with intentionality that they knew they were going to go back home or they had to go back home uh, and apply what they were learning here in a meaningful way to make their farms better and their businesses and their towns better uh, because someone had invested heavily to send them here. And uh, I don't think our students come to college with intentionality like that. Mm. Uh, for a lot of our students, this is the next step. They, knew, they always knew they were going to college. There was never any doubt. Um, and that's fine. But have intentionality when you're in your classes and, and pause once a week and think with all the classes I set in this week, what are two or three ideas I can take and, and apply some way in some aspect of my life? Mm. That's important to do is think about intentionally. All right, let's shift to the student who has just completed their first fall semester at, at a university, at a college, and they're looking back on it. They're probably extremely embarrassed to share or scared to share these grades that they have just uh, done with their parents. Uh, they may be fudging, and they're, they're grateful that the laws do not... Uh, 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 not... Uh, allow you to share this with them. So what are you going to say to them? You know, it's very few people remember or care about how you start the race. It's all about how you end that race. And uh, your first semester is probably going to be your toughest because it's, you know, they're, it's a different pace and rigor uh, at the university than it is in most of your high schools. So, so it's probably going to be a little bit of a wake up call. And, uh, I, I graduated salutatorian in my high school class, small rural high school in Indiana, uh, but my GPA was almost two points lower that first semester in college than what it was where I graduated high school. And uh, 
but you know, you start there and then you ought to have a goal to continue to raise that GPA each semester. Um, and I tell our students too, I've tracked a lot of GPAs and it's pretty well true that the average GPA, whatever you graduate your high school, um, unweighted GPA, your college GPA on average is going to be about a half a point lower at graduation. And so that's oh, really? the reality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something to, as you give that GPA to mom and dad for the first semester, say, yeah, here's a 275. It's not good. I passed everything, but it's not where I want it to be. My goals are now to get it above a three. And then once I'm there, I'm going to get it above a three, three. And once I'm there, I'm getting it above a three, five. And if I graduated high school with a three, nine, if I get to a three, five, that's beating the odds. Cause Dr. Park said the average is we're going to graduate a half letter grade lower. So that, you know, three, five is higher than a three, four. And I think that if, 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 if I'm a parent and my kid comes home with B's and C's when they should, I think get mostly A's and a couple of B's and they tell me they got two, seven, five, but here's my goals and here's what I'm doing to change things. And here's where I'm going when I graduate. Not much I can say about that other than, well, I hope you learned a few lessons this semester. What about the ones who two is a, is a dream for them right now. I'd love just to get my head above a two. Uh, what, what would you, where would you say to that one who's sitting in your office right now across from me? And he's like, oh, I, I don't know what happened you, here. There are uh, students with a sub two GPA. I can only honestly name two that ever pulled that plane out of the nosedive. Hmm. Um, and one, I know it took a lot of effort from parents <laughs> at home not at the university parents at home talking to the child about you know they pulled the child out of um, a fraternity they moved them off campus and back home where they could help create an environment where they had to study and get their grades back up that student graduated just fine um, is working for the state in an engineering career so and i when i looked he had multiple semesters below a, a two one and uh the the hard conversation with that set of that student and the parents had permission to look at the grades was this is geez, there's other things going on here um and then another student he and i had a hard heart and i was like i hope you enjoy it because you're probably gonna be here one more semester if you do what you did now because otherwise you're going to be asked not to come back um and he pulled it out but for the most part when you see some a gpa low as a two my sense is that there's some non-productive extracurricular activities involved and it may be too much video gaming it may be too, too much TikTok. it may be too much significant other it may be substances but there's something else going on there there is really not much reason you should be below a two at the university most if, you, if you're doing a little more than half of your effort you should be above a two i would agree to that what do you think sarah yeah, um, I've said it. So me and a couple of my friends kind of have this saying of like, when we see just people like, and they're like, I don't know, there's different circumstances where we bring this up. But and when they ask, they're like, oh, you're in education. That's so easy. I'm like, well, no, but... <laughs> 
what it's every major is passable but it's really hard to do well in any major like any major like you can pass it like that's fine but it's really hard to do well in any major so i'm like well actually um education you might pass but i don't know if you can teach but (laughs) i mean i don't know we say that all the time and so i have a couple friends um and just people who i've seen in classes and stuff and they they score low and then they bring it up for a semester or a couple weeks. Like sometimes they start off good and then it just drops off the end again. But they all, they're all like on this roller coaster of like, oh, I did really well. I can relax. And then they fail again. And then they're like, hey, I did well though. And then they like, they're on that roller coaster. Do you have any advice for students, parents, literally friends, anyone who's, you know, caring? <laughs> like you're on a roller coaster and I don't know if you're going to get off kind of deal. Yeah. It- I don't know that I have great advice on that, but I've seen that several times, like you say, the up and the down and the up and the down. So they can do it. It's just sustaining that effort. And I think that's probably, would you say that's where the goals come in that again, an up and down roller coaster really isn't moving you in a trajectory or your GPA in a trajectory. Um, And so if you have those goals, then you can measure that roller coaster effect against those target GPA goals. And, and maybe that helps a little bit some too, but yeah, you know, your friend group makes a big difference who you hang out with, who you're living with it, a robust social network helps you stay on a really good trajectory where that social networks not so robust. And maybe it just takes one student who this is the one to go, Hey, let's go run to the gym, you know, forget studies for a second, or let's run to Taco Bell, forget studies for a little bit. Um, that, that one friend might be the one that's keep you on that roller coaster. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I have a follow-up question because I agree with you. I think it's, that's where it comes down to the goals. Um, for those students who, you know, were in FFA where they're like goals, woo, <laughs> or they aren't in like education and they aren't getting told how to make goals. Do you have any advice for students who they're like, okay, I apparently I need a goal. I'm on a roller coaster. Um, do you have any advice for them as to like, this is how we can like maybe set a goal academically because academic goals and like personal goals, they're different. It's a lot easier to come up with like a goal of like, I want to look amazing in the gym by summer. You know, that's, that's a goal. But do you have any advice for academic goals? Just a couple, maybe I would work with your advisor, your academic advisor to talk about your grades and the advisor should be talking with you about your GPA and, uh, for any of my advisees, it doesn't matter where they, well, if they start at 4.0, I gently nudge them to maintain a 4.0. And, uh, I think that's fantastic. But if they slip a semester, I don't, that's fine, you know, cause a 4.0 is fantastic. Uh, but if you start out with a 3.7, I want to, I want to be asking, okay, where, where are we going after this? You know, so we're going to set that overall goal. The other thing is, is I don't, know how many students track their GPAs on their own. And, you know, every professor has a syllabus that lays out how she's going to grade the class. And, you know, the learning management systems track your grades for you. But I think it's probably good practice for you to maintain your own record of of grades, because that gives you that immediate feedback to see, are you on target? marching towards your goal this semester of earning a certain GPA in the classes. So I wonder if that that's extra effort, you know, I don't, 
it's too easy to just let the Moodle do it or the uh, uh, Blackboard uh, or Google Classroom, but to track it on your own might be helpful. Did you say academic goals in school? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I'm I I'm starting to think I'm an odd one out now. Um, <laughs> I have a spreadsheet that like will calculate my grade, like so I can figure out what my GPA is going to be. And like, if I get this really? on assignment, this is what I have to go on the final. And like, I have like, I've made a spreadsheet with this formula in it based on the class, based on the syllabus. So I feel odd. Um, apparently not. Most people, most people don't do that. I know that, but now I Her, feel weird. Um, she'll actually graduate with a higher G, much higher GPA than she graduated with in high school too. Yeah. Wow. But, much higher. Some do that. That's all. That is amazing. It's a spreadsheet. Summa cum yep. laude. She graduated summa cum laude. Wow! Wow! Congratulations! I, I graduated. Thank the Lord. So that was a yeah. <laughs> well, and it's that immediate. It's a combination of long term feedback and that immediate feedback on your grades. And um, yeah, it's but having that goal, even just a semester by semester, or start the semester and look at your courses and say, I think you probably will project out where you think you want to be and. Honestly, most most students after the first four to six weeks, unless they are really intentional and track their grades, the grade they've got at that point is probably pretty similar to the grade they're going to end up with. Um, well, I would say this: my first year, and this was before I, I was an officer with North Carolina's FFA. My freshman year were my my were my worst grades. Uh, the only other time I made. I mean, there were two grades that were significantly bad that I probably could have retaken the class if they had mattered something to me, and they were chemistry. I took chemistry, uh, didn't do well. I took it during summer school, which was dumb, and because it compressed it all, and I didn't understand it anyway. Then I waited until a professor that I knew was going to be the Chem 2 class retired. Just before yeah. I took that, took the class, we had an over, they had an overabundance of people taking that second level chemistry, 103, 107, something like that. Guess what they did? They called back Mr. Retired uh, Professor, and guess who had it? I did. So I went from my freshman year to my senior year without taking chemistry just to outlast this guy and had him twice. twice. Only person um, probably in the history of the university. He only taught one intro class. I had it, and he was most known for his second level class, which had a high percentage failure rate. And I had him again. I'm the. It's. Yeah, I I didn't start off well my whole first year of college. But I raised my GPA, my cumulative GPA. I raised it every single semester. I did too. after my freshman year, and I was proud of that. I mean, I. I still, uh, I tell our students, I freely say I started with a 275, I ended up with a 36, and I worked hard to get that 36. Uh, and I had a 401, 40 semester in there. And uh, yeah. so, you know, it's again, not, don't worry about where you, you started, um, it's where you finish. And, and two, with, um, for parents or students, new students at a university, you know, one semester of low GPA, not a big deal. If you get the second semester, get that GPA up where you want it. Two, it's harder to move that GPA. Three semesters of low GPA, just the math starts working against you. Uh, so 
the faster you can get back on track, the, the better it is. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, so this leads into a question. So it's not just me talking, but what changed it for me was freshman year biology at state. Um, I made like, I made like 20 on a test and I got it back and I was like, <laughs> like there goes college by college by Dr. Park's advice. You know, it's all, yeah. um, you know, one test and I was freaking out. And there was this one girl, she changed everything for me. I, I swear to you. Cause she was like sitting next to me. She was all excited. And I was like, you need to calm down. Like it's, eight o'clock in the morning and she looks at me she's like what'd you get what'd you get and I was like I really don't want to talk about it like at all and then she's like oh well like I got a 95 like what'd you get and I looked at her I was like I got a 20 thanks and she just she was like hey you know it's that AP biology I took in high school I said yeah I took it too so like yeah but she changed everything for me I was like I never want to feel like that again like I didn't like that girl from the rest the rest of the time but Speaking of which, so in high school, you were, were mentioning like extracurriculars, like classes, like a lot of students are really focused on the classes they take so they can get the GPA to get into college. What are some like life experiences that you have seen that have helped people once they get to college um, that they've had like in high school that they have prior to college, whether that's classes, extracurriculars, just things that they can do to prepare them better for college? Um, like I wish that AP bio class had done for that test. But what are some things that you have? for students who aren't in college yet? I think your extracurriculars are real important. Um, sports are fine, um, but I think the club activities, you know, student government, uh, the arts, the band, FFA, 4-H, those kinds of clubs where you have to be a little more self-motivated, uh, probably build some different skills than sports, but it's a combination of those. You want to have a good balance. So that's good. I think it's okay for students to have failed a little bit in high school, not failed classes maybe necessarily, but got a 20 on exam. You know, they've had to learn how to study. Uh, for most students in college, it's not about your brain power as much as it is your brain power plus your willpower and an ability to just work. So anytime that you can have an experience that kind of teaches you to, to work and balance and manage your time, uh, those activities are going to help you a lot here in college too. And then you need, uh, Sarah Beth, you said that that girl sat next to you in biology. Well, that was just real feedback, wasn't it? It was raw, real, painful to hear feedback. Yeah. And I don't Her know how. Her face said it all, too. Yeah. Her face said it all. She said, oh. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was my face, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've had, I've, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking of two instances in my past in, in college where, a professor hit me with very real facts and didn't sugarcoat anything, you know, and just said, here's the way it is. And so I, whatever you can have, if you've got um, some real feedback, and that's where the, the helicopter and the bulldozer parents are doing their kids injustice. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all fail from time to time. We're not as perfect as our parents think we are all the time, maybe. Um, and so I wonder about, <laughs> do I? I said, or hope we could be that person. Yeah, we all want everybody to be good. But, you know, when you've got that helicopter parent, that shields the kid from, or the student, the child, from real honest feedback. And we can't grow without real honest feedback. Well, how can our, how can our audience connect with you to, you know, maybe 
glean some more wisdom for, from you or maybe even learn more about your programs. Hey, good opportunity for you to recruit. Yeah, we're here at NC State. Our department is Agricultural and Human Sciences. Uh, there's my email address. We're happy to chat with uh, prospective students either here or other places. Our first goal is student success. We hope our students come to our department, major in agricultural education or agricultural sciences. But if you don't, you, yeah, I'll be pretty straight with you to say this is fact. And then this is just my advice and its opinion based on some years of evidence, but, but it's opinion. So uh, I'm happy to, to share as long as people are happy to ask questions and also give some feedback and go, yeah, that, that advice didn't work so well. Or like Sarah Beth saying, I didn't write it down. So now I'm going to write it down. But I got to hear it again. <laughs> Just a refresher. <laughs> you have to make sure they write it down. So, so I want to thank Dr. Park. I want to thank you for joining us on the Gen Z show. Um, I am sure that this is going to be something that you're going to require all your students and stuff in the future to watch and listen to. And, and we're, so we're going to see the views really increase on this one dramatically. Absolutely. Yeah, that's going to be exciting for us. Hey, for those who are listening to us, for our community, someone you know needs to hear this message. Someone needs this kind of information, needs this kind of thought process that we've been talking about. So we'd like for you to share it. We want you to comment on it and like it, either on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And until next week, we'll be back again with another episode of The Gen Z Show. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.